You guys, welcome to episode 120 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives into the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite underground lizard people. <laughs> it's me, it's me, Dame Troy McEady. How's it going? Um, I'm jazzed up, clearly. I am so excited about this episode, primarily because you guys messaged me on Patreon and email and uh, DM and made it very clear that you don't mind this episode being five parts, which is, I'm elated. I don't think I can even express to you how excited that makes me because I don't have to rush now. You know what I mean? Like there's so much information to get through and there's so much to say. And the thought of doing this in, even in three parts, I'm like putting on chapstick, how annoying. Okay. The thought of like doing this in three parts even seems uh, just insane. So now I can like relax, you know what I mean? I can unclip my wig, pull it off, shake out my real hair, just like be comfortable and like chill. I don't have to rush and feel like I'm going to put out a four hour episode that nobody cares about. So I'm super excited. Also, I have gotten your uh, mailbag stuff and it's been super funny and cool and smart and and all the things that I'm looking for. I'm very excited about that. Keep sending me things to smushroompod at gmail.com. Um, you can also, like, message me or do whatever you want. I love a voice note, as you know. I live, laugh, and love a voice note. So uh, just send me stuff, whatever you want. Episodes that you want to hear. Uh, maybe things that you've discovered about couples that I've done. If you have some sort of... I also, like... Wendy Williams does this thing where she, like, has her, her guests fan out and, like, She'll, like, make her guest tell what? (laughs) She will have her guest write in about, like, celebrities encounters they've had. Fuck. We are two minutes in. Celebrity encounters they've had. This is a professional podcast. And it would be so funny if you guys messaged me with interactions that you've had with people that I've talked about in the past. I would love that. I don't know what took me so long to realize that I want to hear that from you. But, like, a lot of you do message me and you'll say, like, I met so-and-so and she was such a bitch. And, like, that's the, that's the shit I want to hear. So, if you've had interactions with Siri Cruz, literally let me know. Anyway, I think that we should be able to go ahead and get started. I don't have anything else to say. I'm already a high-octane stuttering Stanley. We're two minutes in, so I can't guarantee how this will turn out. Um, but what I can tell you is that Jay-Z and Beyonce started dating in June of 2004. And they got engaged in December of 2007, and they were officially married in April of 2008. They have three children together, Blue Ivy Carter, born January of 2012, Rumi and Sir Carter, born... (laughs) I'm still putting on chapstick. I'm sorry. I'm such a twat. Okay. Rumi and Sir Carter, born in June of 2017. And, you know, the really interesting thing to me about Beyonce and Jay-Z is that they really have mastered the art of the celebrity relationship. And in comparison, not many people can say that they've done it better. They are perfectly, their image is perfectly manipulated. They're shrouded in this like cloak of mystery. And they'll just like, you know, throw us enough of a bone that we like plummet to the ground as they step over our bodies and walk over us. But they do occasionally throw us a bone. Um, Not much. Uh, you know, they're not going to like speak or anything. They'll release an album, but they do give us little morsels like into their life. And it's just very fascinating the way that they navigate. Um, 
And I'm also interested in the fact that, you know, their relationship has been autobiographical since day one. Like, literally since they met, they've been putting all of their information out there. And at the same time, it's like they don't give us anything at all. They pay us in pure dust (laughs) most of the time. Like, just unfiltered, unsaturated dust. Which, by the way, is different. It's a different dust when you live underground. The Illuminati dust is a little bit different than above here. You can't buy it. Um, And it's just, it's honestly so hard to believe that these are the same people, you know, who 10 years ago were private, but were also so much more accessible and lifelike, if you will. And they've now reached this point where they are truly, they're permanently A-list. They are permanent American royalty and 100% in control of their narrative. They tell their story. And if you want to hear it, then like I said, you got to buy the album. That's it. You're not going to hear them speak. You're not going to see them speaking in interviews. It just isn't a thing anymore. And I've said it once. I'll probably say it approximately 43 more times to quote a 19-year-old Beyonce. But uh, they are the true testament to the idea that the world will eventually view you in the light that you want to be viewed in if you stick to it and believe it hard enough. Um, I can't stop saying approximately, by the way, like Beyonce, 19 year old Beyonce has changed me. I've become very aggressive with how often I say it. My friends have caused approximately 43% drama this year and I'm fucking over it. Um, but I refer to this marriage as a fun house of mirrors lovingly because we'll never actually know you know, what's going on and who these people really are, we won't. Like, you think that you do, but the thing is, is that you don't. Um, And that goes for both happy moments and, like, public marital issues that they've exposed. And we'll get deeper into this, but one of the most fascinating things to me is that, and I think that this is definitely more Beyonce's doing than Jay, but Beyonce runs her empire in a very old-school Hollywood way. And I don't mean old school in like some old like like silver screen legend way. I mean more so in like an 80s, 90s era way. Like, I believe that Beyonce really is one of the last great artists of a generation of entertainers who learned how to be famous from people like Madonna and Michael Jackson. And that doesn't really exist with people now. Like, this generation's artists, people like... Billie Eilish and Ariana Grande it's like sure they give us pop culture like I love Ari she gives us great pop culture whatever but it's just not the same there's a very clear difference in how this generation's um entertainers entertain and we'll get deeper into that I have like approximately 89 uh, pages of notes on it so we'll definitely get into it I have a lot of thoughts but There's a lot of folklore surrounding when Beyonce and Jay-Z actually met. And I think that that is based on just simply based on reading 48,000 articles about their relationship. I think it's because they've never really confirmed it. Beyonce told Seventeen Magazine in 2008, I was 18 when we first met and 19 when we first started dating. There was no rush. No one was expecting me to run off and get married or anything. I really don't believe that you will uh, love the same thing when you're 20 as you did when you're 30. Uh, So that was my rule. Before the age of 25, I would never get married. I feel like you have to get to know yourself, know what you want, spend some time by yourself, and be proud of who you are before you can share that experience with somebody else. 
And in 2018, Beyonce and Jay released their surprise joint album. And uh, there's a lyric in one of the songs where Jay kind of describes their first interaction with each other. And he said, we played it cool at the pool uh, of Cancun, VMA, confidence you exude, make the fool stay away. Me, I played the room, let the fools have their say, and fate had me sit next to you on the plane, and I knew it straight away. Uh, the next time we, uh, the next time we would speak, what? The next time we would speak was like two years away, and you had a man. You shut it down until you had to. <laughs> oh, is it gonna be one of those days, girls? Is it gonna be one of those days? The next time we speak, you was like two years away. You had a man. You shut it down until you had to break away. I bet that dude rude the day. You kept me on the phone while you were away, and you came back. Uh, I let you set the date, Nobu on the plane. I brought my dude to play it cool, my first foolish mistake, which I actually think is really cute. Um, and then Beyonce told Oprah in 2013, we were friends first for a year and a half before we went on any dates. She said, we were on the phone for a year and a half, and that foundation is so important in a relationship, you know? Just to have someone who you just like so much is important, and someone who is honest. That's a, not a very well-worded uh, sentence, but we'll let it go. Um, and this is obviously, Jay's lyric is obviously in reference to uh, MTV's Spring Break Cancun in the year 2000. At the time, Beyonce was 18 and performing with Destiny's Child. And in 2001, they appeared on the cover of Vanity Fair's music issue, and Jay later confirmed that they were sort of courting each other at this time. Um, also, by the way, just as a complete side note, totally off topic, but not really, this cover is everything. Like, first of all, my top four favorite Scientologists, uh, Beck, David Bowie, can we talk, uh, Rocksteady era, Gwen Stefani, one of my faves, one of my favorite times in music history, God damn it, the Rocksteady album, Missy, Jewel, a real motley crew of everybody featured in my like 2001 iPod classic. Um, that same Vanity Fair article also said, Jay says that when he and Beyonce were both featured on the cover of Vanity Fair's 2001 music issue, um, he was quoted saying, we were both just finishing, we were both like, who am I today? You know what's so funny about when this happens? I read, con like this whole episode is me just like reading shit to you. That's the whole thing. I write my notes and I read them to you. But the funny thing is that when I read specifically a quote, I turn into like Yosemite Sam. Like I literally, I just can't do it. It's so weird how that happens. Anyway, he said, we were just beginning to try and date each other. And you've got to try first. You've got to dazzle, wine and dine. <laughs> he tells the interviewer, of course, uh, that he pursued Beyonce first. And when asked if he hadn't been G.A. <laughs> See, now this is going to be a thing because I acknowledge it. So now it's going to be a thing the whole episode. And when asked if he hadn't been Jay-Z's, uh, say he had been just a gas station attendant and she pulled up, would he have been able to date her? And he responded, if I'm as, if I'm as cool as I am now, then yes. Obsessed. Uh, but she's a charming Southern girl. You know, she's unimpressed by much. Um, but I would definitely say that I would have to be cool. It's like, okay, Jay, thank you. Um... The first real rumors of their relationship can, of course, be traced back to the late 90s, early 2000s, but it was almost confirmed in 2002 when they collaborated for the first time on a little ditty called 03 Bonnie and Clyde. 
The song was featured on Jay's The Blueprint 2 album and was produced by Kanye West. Apparently, Kanye had listened to uh, Tupac's Machiavelli album and came up with the idea to sample Me and My Girlfriend um, for a song that he knew Jay was already working on with Beyonce. Um, and they both made this really, uh, this horribly awkward appearance on TRL to promote and perform the song for the first time. Carson asked, like, how they know each other, and Beyonce's re- response was literally so... I, I, I... I it's been so long since we've seen Beyonce be like that, like visibly uncomfortable. It was actually kind of jarring. But when he asked her like how they knew each other, she was like the human equivalent of a cartoon cat with like feathers coming out of its mouth. Do you know what I mean? She looked so non-verbally uncomfortable and like not media trained to handle something of this magnitude. Like you're dating Jay-Z. Um, she was like very like, very visibly leaning on Jay to, like, answer for her. It was kind of cute. She just looked really young. Um, but the song was obviously hugely successful, and it peaked at number four on Billboard. <clears throat> it also sparked some minor controversies. At the time, I guess, um, Tony Braxton had already recorded a song sampling Tupac's Me and My Girlfriend, that she titled Me and My Boyfriend for her 2002 album. So she called into Wendy Williams during her radio days to say publicly that Beyonce and Jay were messing with her money and trying to steal her mojo. Uh, And then she said that, like, apparently she went to Def Jam and I don't know what she was, like, working out with Def Jam as far as, like, contracts, but she played the song for them and Jay was there and he heard it And then all of a sudden, he just so happened to be sampling the song that she had just used. So he stole it. Uh, He told MTV News, I wouldn't want to take it from her. I don't even think like that. My first thought would be maybe I could call her up and maybe I could get her on the record. The most obvious explanation is that it's neither one of our records. It's not like you made the original idea. She's not in hip hop, but it happens all the time in hip hop. We go to sample the same thing and my record came out first. I'm sorry, but what can I do? He went on to say that if he had known that they were both going to be sampling the same Tupac song, he would have arranged a duet with her instead. O3 Bonnie and Clyde was a major deal because, I don't know, duh, it's the first Beyonce song without Destiny's Child. Like, that's, it's, it's major. Um, It's a really big turning point for her. And they announced in 2000 that they were going to be taking this indefinite hiatus which, by the way, is the irreconcilable differences of all music groups, that they're taking a hiatus to work on side projects. And this was advised by Matthew Knowles, who had strategically staggered all of their releases to gain as much publicity as possible and guarantee success without them having to compete with each other. So it's funny, you know, they were no longer a group, but they were still being managed by Matthew. So they were still having to kind of collaborate on releases and, you know, Michelle couldn't release the same, like a a song at the same time as Beyonce or whatever. Like they were still very much enthralled in each other's careers. Like there wasn't really that much um, freedom in that aspect. Um, Michelle went on to release an extremely successful gospel album that I didn't bother to learn the name of. Uh, Kelly, of course, released Dilemma with Nelly, which was, you know, successful worldwide and, 
won her a Grammy. She actually ironically became the first member of the group to chart at the height that she did after leaving, which is actually kind of amazing because for a short period of time, Kelly could say that she was more successful than Beyonce for like a little tiny short period of time. Um, And also, by the way, since we're on the subject of Dilemma, can we retire the Dilemma music video, Kelly Rowland texting Nelly on Excel joke in 2020? Like, can that be done? Because I feel like it's reached that, like, it's going to be May. Like, Ellen has you on as a guest to talk about being a meme level of humor where you know memes go to die. Like, Ellen is where memes go to just die. It's where they go to age rapidly and no longer exist. Um, So please, for the rest of December, do whatever you feel like you need to do as far as that goes. And then let's retire that. It's no longer, it's not funny anymore. You know what I mean? Um... Beyonce had also just starred in Fighting Temptations and uh, Austin Powers Gold Member. By the way, a movie that I have watched an embarrassing amount of times, mostly in high school. You know what I mean? Austin Powers is like one of those things you look back and you're just like cringe at the memories of people quoting Austin Powers and saying like, oh, behave. You know what I mean? Um, But you guys, we have reached the point in this episode where we are about to discuss the Dangerously in Love album. And see, this is why it was such a big deal for me to break this down so much because, holy shit, like Beyonce is responsible for so much pop culture, impactful pop culture. Not just like, oh, she had a successful song and it was great. No, like culture-defining moments constantly. So in preparation for this album, Beyonce traveled all over the country, basically interviewing producers to see if they understood her vision for what she wanted this solo album to be. And one of the first people that she reached out to, of course, was Scott Storch, who I have, I mean, I have been saying for over a year that I'm going to do a Scott Storch episode. It has to happen. I just have to figure out the right person because he's literally had sex with every uh, female celebrity that means anything to me. Like he's degraded all the women that I care about. I've literally mentioned him 34,000 times since uh, starting the podcast. So it's going to happen. I just got to figure it out. Um, And she also brought in Timbaland and Missy. And this was the most hands-on Beyonce had ever been. I mean, really the most hands-on she'd ever been allowed to be during uh, a recording process. Everything from mixing the tracks to writing a lot of the songs to production And after the album was finished being recorded, her label actually told her that they thought she should shelve it uh, and start over because it didn't feature any hits, which is insane. I literally cannot fathom hearing Crazy in Love for the first time and not feeling that song in the deepest fucking parts of your spirit. Are you kidding me? When you hear those those like brass horns in the beginning of that song for the first couple seconds, like you feel that shit in the marrow of your bone. Like you feel it like in the deepest parts of you in your DNA. Um, and the story behind the recording of Crazy in Love is actually pretty interesting. Uh, Beyonce's album was very famously put on hold because the label wanted to try and milk, you know, what was going on with Kelly Rowland and Dilemma as much as they could. Again, like, it's just so weird to think, like, Beyonce was being put on hold because Kelly Rowland was, like, living. You know what I mean? Like, what a weird time. 
Uh, so during that downtime, Beyonce leaned into the album even more. She uh, contacted a man named Rich Harrison, who had worked on a couple Destiny's Child albums. And uh, Rich was shopping around a beat that he had produced and sampled from a song called uh, Are You My Woman by the Shy Lights. And pretty much everybody that he played the sample for hated it, especially because the idea of adding these like 70s era brass horns to a song was so far removed from what everybody was doing during like the early 2000s. Um, But he knew that Beyonce would love it based on her single for Austin Powers. Um, What the fuck is it called? Work it out. He knew that she would love it based on the fact that work it out kind of had a similar vibe to what he was wanting to do. And he was so sure that Beyonce would love it that he planned a celebratory party the night before even like meeting with her. He ended up not sleeping and then showed up to the studio still drunk and fully hungover to show her this beat. So basically a corpse dragged his body into a studio and said, I have like the next like life changing thing for you here. And she actually didn't like it. She didn't like the retro sound. It wasn't initially what she wanted to do with the album. So she made a deal with him that she would leave the studio and come back two hours later to a fully finished production, like a fully finished beat, not just like some sample. And if she liked it, they would lay it down that that same day. Uh, So she came back. She ended up loving it. Um, She was like dancing around the studio and... Uh, Rich said that there was a moment where she was standing in front of the mirror and just kind of like making up dance moves. And she said, I'm looking so crazy right now. And she just kept repeating it over and over, which obviously became the chorus of the song. And the really interesting thing about Beyonce's debut almost like 20 years later, like looking back, is that it does feel more like a transition album now than it did then. Like there are obviously things about this time period that are absolutely incredible and that I love and adore and will always, uh, always have fond memories of. Um, and I appreciate the fact that this is the introduction of just straight up R&B Beyonce, which I happen to adore. I feel like, um, the four album was the last time we got like some really, not like the last time Beyonce gave us R&B, but like. You know, her albums are so much more experimental now, which is great. But she used to release just like straight up R&B albums. Uh, Maybe even I Am Sasha Fierce, the one before that could have been the last like true R&B Beyonce. But I appreciate that. And I appreciated her vulnerability and her like human side during this time. You know what I mean? Before we stopped seeing her be a human person in 2013 when she released her self-titled album, I mean, that's definitely when you can look back and say everything changed. When she released Beyonce, she just stopped talking to us. (laughs) Um, In 2018, The Crimson did a sort of like look back on her debut album. And they said, few musical artists have the nerve to liken themselves to deities. Far fewer have the delicate combination of ability and image to pull it off. But Beyonce, however, is by no means a normal performer. While the decision to channel the Yoruba fertility goddess Oshun might have earned any other musician a healthy dose of eye rolling, her gold-clad 2017 Grammy performance was largely received with veneration. Still, even pop royalty must start somewhere, and dynamic reigns don't often develop suddenly. Beyonce's dangerously in love, now 15 years old, 
off offers a rare authentic glimpse of the queen pre-coronation a less polished persona now long erased and that made me kind of sad because it it really in a much better way than i'm able to explain it um is saying the thing that i've been trying to say for for three weeks that like i i just miss beyonce like it just makes me sad that she's now in this place where like she's chipped away at all things human in relation to her public image and like that's just not who she is anymore you know what i mean like and it's amazing to be able to watch like a netflix special or whatever and see beyonce as a human person and i guess maybe it's because it's more jarring in 2019 than it would have been like in the early 2000s or the 90s when people didn't share as much like she still kind of lives in that space which in its own way is really cool but also there's like a fine line where i'm like girl like it's okay to like have human moments like i I feel like she is just so tightly wound and like so not maybe tight wound isn't the perfect uh the perfect description of what i'm trying to say but she's just so like buttoned up and everything is just so thought out and precise and and planned and just like oh you just want to like let the air out of the tires a little bit um air out of the tires like that's not a thing uh and i'm positive by the way that i'll mention this again because it's the most interesting thing about modern day beyonce to me But Beyonce, like most artists who circle her age bracket, graduated from the school of Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Madonna, and Prince as like the Trinity. I know that that's a Trinity is three, but you know what I mean. When it comes to learning how to be an entertainer, you know what I mean? Especially that like 80s to 90s all encompassing sweet spot that we just took for granted and didn't know how good we had it. And I, I think that she has, she's definitely taken little bits of what made all of those people iconic, specifically, I think Michael more than anybody, and truly mastered it in her own way. Um, I don't think many people have come close to doing it as well as she's done it. The way that Beyonce has spoken about as this sort of like untouchable, larger than life, like spirit goddess who just so happens to exist amongst us humans is eerily similar to Michael Jackson during the peak of his, like, King of Pop days. The way that Beyonce creates pop culture moments is reminiscent of the days of the entire world, like, sitting in front of a TV at the exact same time for a music video release at 8 p.m. You know what I mean? The whole world watching, like, the black or white video come out at once. Like, those are moments that we don't really have anymore, and... When we do have them, a lot of the time we have Beyonce to thank. Um, Also, the mysteriousness surrounding who she is and what she feels and what she does in her spare time. The meticulous, almost obsessive attention to detail and everything she does. All of it checks out. Like, I don't know. I just think that there's a, a major, major difference a very obvious difference, in my opinion, in this current generation's artists who unfortunately weren't old enough to have experienced and lived through that heightened pop culture. You know what I mean? It's definitely height. Like it's, 
even though we consume pop culture on like a constant every moment basis, it doesn't mean as much now. Things happen and then you move on and you forget they happened. Nothing really has longevity anymore. You know what I mean? Caitlyn Jenner literally, like Bruce Jenner literally transitioned into a woman and I could have cared less in a week. I was like completely over it in less than a week. Like nothing means anything anymore. No story lasts a year. And if it does, it has all these different reincarnations and, and becomes all these different things. It's just different now. And earlier I said artists who circle her age bracket specifically because that influence is right on the surface of everything we consumed during the early 2000s. Like literally every major pop star who made any sort of impact during that time, big or small, it didn't matter who it was, they were directly influenced by those four people that I named above. There was some Michael Jackson influence for sure. There was some sort of Madonna influence if you were like a, not even if you were a female pop star, um, Whitney Houston and Prince. And of course there's others. But those are the people that you think of immediately, especially Michael Jackson and especially Madonna. They literally gave birth to that generation and taught them how to entertain. Um, almost hearkening back to the Yoruba fertility goddess, Oshun. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to stop rambling now. I just, you know, I needed to get that off my chest. I've obviously been waiting to say it since, I mean, I, I think that I've been waiting to say that on a public forum since I was 15. Honestly, I'm not even kidding. So cut me some slack. Anyway, Dangerously in Love established Beyonce not only as a visual solo artist, but as someone who was going to continue, you know, defining the decade in an even bigger way than she did when she was in Destiny's Child. The singles included uh, Crazy in Love, Baby Boy, Me, Myself, and I, a personal I mean, Me, Myself, and I is a song that I probably revisit more than any Beyonce song. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not even going to lie to you. I fucking love that song. And that music video, the multiple Beyonce's just reading you in slow motion. And also Naughty Girl. Um, and as of last year, the album sold 7 million copies. Now, what I'm going to need for you to remember about Jay-Z and Beyonce during the early 2000s is that they were very, 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 you guessed it, secretive. And if you didn't know that, or if you maybe forgot, it is something that should not come as any surprise to you. It was very obvious to the world that they were in a relationship. And to be honest, I don't think they were really working hard at trying to hide that they were dating. But this is fascinating because it just confirms the fact that these two have always been, you know, fucking Captain Planet, <laughs> like, so from the jump, like, with their powers combined, they were all of a sudden the world's most media-savvy power couple at fucking 19 and 38, but they milked this relationship and the buzz surrounding it for every drop it was worth during this time. And in August of 2003, they performed Crazy in Love for the first time at the VMAs. Jay also released the Black Album that November, and um, several songs featured lyrics referencing Beyonce. And in the song Public Announcement, he says that he's got the baddest chick in the game wearing his chain, and she's makes a little cameo. Um, Beyonce also had a song on Dangerously in Love called Signs with Missy, which is so good and so underrated. Uh, where she sings about being in love with a Sagittarius. 
and they made their first ever red carpet appearance together exactly a year later at the 2004 VMAs. And um, I'm, I'm sure that I'll post this photo on Insta when I post this episode, but their outfits are in the top eight most insane things I've experienced in my 31 years. Like, I've, I've PTSD from looking at photos of what the fuck they were wearing. Amazing. Um, We are now going to talk about the Rihanna of it all. And I've got some controversial opinions. We'll talk. We'll get into it. I'll rant. I'll rave. You tell me what you think. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, look. Here's the thing. Rumors began circulating in early 2005 that Jay had slept with his newly signed artist from Barbados, Rihanna. These rumors have followed them for many years, of course. They still occasionally pop up today. This is the story that just keeps on giving. And I just want to make something very clear before we even get into this. I think that as a society, you know that a sentence never a sentence is never good when you start off that way. As a society. No, but like in all seriousness, I think that as a society, um, we make the mistake constantly. And I've done this before on the podcast, and I've like recently changed my way of thinking. And assuming that celebrities live by the same set of like societal rules that we do. And that's just not possible. We don't exist in the same world. Not when it comes to relationships and the way that we like raise our children and like our finances and friendships and traveling. Like literally nothing is the same. It is literally two different worlds. And I find it weird that we'll randomly pretend people like Beyonce and Jay-Z live by our like common folk marriage standards when you know i mean that's it's it's laughable like i hope that you're hearing this and thinking yeah that is kind of dumb it's it's a joke it's absurd um i'm about to make a bold statement and uh here's the thing i don't really personally believe that celebrities have monogamous relationships like i just don't think that that's a thing I think, especially like when, uh, the, like the more A-list you are, the less likely it is that you are only sleeping with the person that you married. I just don't think it's a thing. It's illogical. I also, I'm going to take it a step further and really swerve you off the road. I also think that sexually, most famous people are much more fluid than you and I will ever realize or know for sure. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole that I'm not willing to twirl down right now, but we can, if you want. I just, I just think that when you have access to anything your heart, body, and spirit has ever desired ever, and you can get it immediately and anonymously without anybody knowing with the snap of a fucking finger, you get into some things, you feel me? (laughs) And, you know... I'm actually, I'm finishing this book that I've been talking about for like a year on the podcast. I like put it down and I'm I'm listening to it again on Audible. It's called uh, Scotty Bowers Full Service. And it's about this guy named Scotty who basically worked as a male madam. Is that a pimp, by the way? Is a male madam a pimp? Is a a madam called a madam because she can't be called a pimp? Is it just, he's a pimp? He worked as a pimp in Hollywood during the silver screen era. So when 
closeted actors and actresses, which was basically all of Hollywood, um, wanted to hook up with somebody of the same sex, they would contact him and they would pay him to arrange it. And by hook up, I mean have like literally like drug fueled orgies with like eight men. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, he was somebody who worked with people like Marilyn Monroe and Cary Grant. And I was thinking to myself the whole time reading this book, this was like 60 years ago. So can you imagine what that looks like today? Do you know what I mean? If Cary Grant was in sex-fueled or drug-fueled sex orgies with a bunch of twinks 60 years ago in hotels and that was being set up, can you imagine what it looks like today? So I say all of this to truly just hammer home and like I'm truly speaking from my heart right now that I need for you to, you know, take all that is given to you from celebrities that are this A-list with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? (laughs) With less than a grain of salt, honestly. Really have your wits about you and be able to navigate the real from the fake. You can't just believe everything that people like Beyonce and Jay-Z tell you in a song that is perfectly timed and planned uh, with their spouse's album about them. You know what I mean? It's like you have to, like, come on. So look, there are two versions of this story. There's a very like sort of tea spill, salacious version uh, that a source close to Jay exposed and a very Hollywood sort of bullshit media version. So I'm going to present both of them to you. I'm going to hand it off to you the way Selma Blair handed uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Phillippe's journal and Cruel Intentions and just let you skim the pages and, and make up your own, make up your own decisions about what happened so a man named randy uh tara i'm not gonna bother um who works as a celebrity biographer uh released a book called becoming beyonce the untold story where he basically alleges that this entire thing was cooked up for press surrounding rihanna's album release and he also claims that rihanna's publicist strategically planned the story around the same time as her debut single so that by the time the actual album came out, she was like twice as famous, pretty much. He also claimed that the entire ordeal caused Beyonce and Jay to break up for a year. And he mentions that this story has caused them um, a great deal of issues throughout the years and has been the root of a lot of their marital issues. Now, another source who was somebody that claimed to be very close to Beyonce and Jay and worked with their inner circle and also um, somebody that had been mentioned in blind items about this specific thing as well gave an exclusive that spread like fucking wildfire on all these hip-hop blogs and you can still find like like remnants of it today. He basically stated that Beyonce and Jay have a much more open relationship than the public would ever assume which is something that I wholeheartedly believe. As mentioned before, I don't really believe that celebrities of this magnitude are in monogamous relationships. I just don't think it's real. And that Beyonce was not only aware of Rihanna and Rita Ora hooking up with her husband, but was fine with it to the extent that she too liked to partake in beautiful women on occasion. Because why not? And I'm just going to leave you with that. And I can completely understand how far-fetched this may seem to you if you're a person who believes news as it's presented to you. Um, 
if you're a person who truly believes that Camila Cabello and Shawn Mendes are like in love and like writing songs about each other, if you're a person who believes Vanessa Hudgens and Zac Efron were a real couple or that Harry Styles and Kendall Jenner are like ex-lovers, I can understand how jarring this may sound to you, but as somebody who has truly come in very close contact with the underbelly of entertainment and celebrity news on the internet, it's so incredibly not that out of the ordinary to imagine a world in which Beyonce and Jay allowing other women into their marriage without defined rules may have caused things to get a little murky and messy. That's all I'm saying. This is the episode where I allude to Jay-Z, Rihanna, and Beyonce having a threesome. Yes, it has officially happened. I've gone off the deep end. But you know what? I stand by my thoughts. And that this just is what it is. Um, Beyonce released B-Day on September 1st of 2006, her birthday. A truly career-defining moment for her. Um, a publication called The Boombox said in an album review that B-Day was a monumental moment for music fans worldwide and would elevate Beyonce from princess-in-waiting to fully-fledged queen in the musical landscape. Um, and it, it was kind of like if by chance that first album was some sort of fluke, which obviously at this point everybody knew that it wasn't, but if it was, B-Day was the moment of her career that sort of solidified her as a solo artist. B-Day felt very removed from anything she had done before. It didn't feel like a transitional album the way Dangerously In Love did. Like that album felt like an album by a girl who just left a girl group, whereas this one felt like a solo artist. And Beyonce herself just felt more realized. You know what I mean? Almost in like a, like a sitcom way. Like, you know, like on a sitcom when it takes like maybe six or seven episodes for the character to figure out like who they are. And then you watch those first seasons and you're like, ugh, eek. Like the, like the pilot of an ep or of a show is always so weird. This album included two collaborations with Jay, uh, Deja Vu and Upgrade You. It also featured Irreplaceable, Can We Talk, Beautiful Liar featuring Shakira, Get Me Bodied, Green Light, and Ring the Alarm, um, which was a song allegedly written about Jay and Rihanna's public affair. It's so crazy, by the way, when you revisit Beyonce's music catalog, like the entire thing, because she's, like I said earlier, she's responsible for so many moments in pop culture, just like pop culture defining moments that you almost, there's so many that you almost forget the impact that they had because as the years pass, you just kind of like, they leave your brain. Like, I'm not sure when we all collectively stop saying to the left, to the left. You know what I mean? Like, things like that. Like, things that just invade your everyday. Beyonce is responsible for so many moments that have just invaded the everyday lives of people. It's wild. Um, and B-Day was her most controversial release up to this point by far. The music video for Deja Vu was deemed too sexual and there was actually, now I didn't know any of this. Beyonce heads, I'm sure you'll be aware, but this was really fucking shocking to me. Apparently there was a petition signed to not only get Deja Vu taken off the radio, but to have the song pulled from rotation on like MTV and BET and VH1 
so that she could re like refilm the video because there's a scene in the video that alludes to oral sex now, I don't know if you've ever seen the video for Deja Vu. It's actually one of my favorite Beyonce videos. I didn't know that it was so controversial. I just love it. Like, I love... I feel like that video is so telling of where Beyonce would end up. It's really innovative. And, you know, there's those scenes of her, like, running through the plantation in her, like, southern debutante dress. And it's just very, like... I don't know. It's very, like, reminiscent of, like, where she ended up. You know what I mean? Like... A version of that video could have been on Lemonade for sure. But I don't know if I mentioned this or not. I may have said it already, but there's a scene in the video that alludes to oral sex. So people were like mortified by that apparently. And yeah, they were, there were like two or 3,000 signatures to get the video pulled off TV and to force her to re record or refilm it, which is crazy to me. And as far as the Ring the Alarm scandal goes, Beyonce told the media that the song was written before she even knew of any rumored affair between Rihanna and her husband. And then Matthew Knowles, of course, stepped in to release a statement because he had had it. (laughs) In the words of Detox, he had it. Uh, He said, it is so apparent that there is a, a consistent plan by some to create chaos around Beyonce's B-Day album release in the U.S. First, it was a petition against the single, Deja Vu, then a rumor regarding conflict between Beyonce and Rihanna, and then seizures caused by the Ring the Alarm video. Oh yeah, by the way, so I don't know if you've ever seen the video for Ring the Alarm, it's all just like flashes of light, and people were having seizures because of it, so it was just a mess. He said, putting out a single to compete with LaToya's album, and now to add to add to all the ridiculous rumors, uh, is my plan to postpone the release of her B-Day album. What will be next? Beyonce cuts off all her hair and dyes it green. Maybe she's singing, maybe she's singing the songs in reverse with some hidden subliminal messages. Ooh, we love an angry Matthew Knowles. (laughs) Nobody better to defend you than a pissed off, wild-eyed, coked out, bloated Matthew Knowles. Um... She also claimed to an audience that she wrote Irreplaceable for all her ladies, uh, to which Neo responded, (laughs) the song is co-written. He said, I wrote the lyrics. I wrote all of the lyrics. And he said, Beyonce helped me with the melodies and the harmonies and the vocal arrangement. And that makes it a co-write, meaning my contribution and her contribution combined made that song what it is. Because, you know, I mean, we talked about this last week or whatever, or was it the week before that, um, you know, Beyonce has had some issues in the past and continues to have issues in the present with claiming things, claiming, you know, having come up with ideas and think, you know, music video ideas and songs and, 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 and lyrics and things that she didn't really come up with. It's like a whole fucking thing that Matthew Knowles taught her how to do. And there's another song on the album uh, about Jay called Resentment that wasn't a single um, about how resentful and angry she is at him for hurting her publicly. She said, I wish I could believe you, then I'll be all right. But now everything you told me really don't apply to the way I feel inside. Loving you was easy once upon a time, but now my suspicions of you have multiplied and it's all because you lied. I only give you a hard time because I can't go on and pretend like I haven't tried to forget this. 
but I'm much too full of resentment. Just can't seem to get over the way you hurt me. Don't know how you gave another who didn't mean a thing the very thing you gave me. I thought I could forgive you, and I know you've changed. As much as I want to trust you, I know it ain't the same, and it's all because you lied. Then in November, Jay released his King Kingdom Come album, and on the track Lost One, he wrote, this is amazing. I had actually never heard this song. He said, I don't think it's meant to be, B, but she loves her work more than she does me. And honestly, at 23, I would, I would, I would, I would probably love my work more than I did she. So we ain't we, it's me and her, because what she prefers over me is work. And that's where we differ. So I have to give her free time, even if it hurts. So breathe, Miami, it's deserved. You've been put on this earth to be all you can be, like the reserves. And me, my time in the army, it's served. So I have to allow she, her time to serve. The time's now for her, in time, she'll mature, and maybe we can be we again like we were. Finally, my time's too short to share, and to ask her now, it ain't fair. So yeah, she's lost one. That's wild. I didn't know that that song existed, but that's pretty wild. Um, it was also announced on April 21st of 2008 that Beyonce and Jay married in a super private ceremony in his New York penthouse on April 4th. A source told People Magazine, it was a very emotional wedding, lots of crying and really very spiritual, says a guest. So hush-hush that they have, they have yet to confirm the news, despite the huge rock Beyonce's flaunting on her ring finger uh, at her new husband's Atlanta show on April 8th. The couple, adds the source close to them, planned it perfectly. There were 40 people in attendance, and they hired a wedding planner named Lisa McGraw, who turned his penthouse, this is wild, you know I love a wedding, he turned, or she turned his penthouse basketball court-sized living room, can we talk, can we have a conversation, into an eleganza extravaganza. Their families didn't know what was going on, um, they were asked to arrive and obviously when they all got there, they kind of realized what was happening. Um, I actually read this really funny. The quote was longer, but the best part of the quote from Jay-Z's mom was, she said, I know there's a wedding taking place here today. <laughs> uh, and um, much like their music, Jay and Beyonce decided to allow the events that took place to speak for themselves. They didn't, you know, sell photos to us weekly for $30,000. They didn't allow access Hollywood to like interview people waiting outside they didn't rent an island and like charter every plane in the nation so that people couldn't fly over it was very understated and very chill um and I think that this is where I'm gonna cut it off and next week we're gonna talk about the babies and we're gonna talk about oh my god there's so much more to cover i i just like honestly i can't wait to get to lemonade like that's what i'm really that's what i'm really here for and the beyonce album the beyonce album release is like those are the moments that i'm very excited to talk about um and i do again what before i go i want to remind you to send me shit please send me things send me voice notes send me emails send me direct messages send me whatever you want um just things you could even send me stuff about this Beyonce shit tell me what you think I would actually like to know in 
voice note form, because that would be amazing, what you guys think about the rumor that Beyonce and Jay have an open relationship. I have this feeling that for some reason that's going to be like not, it'll maybe be polarizing. Like, I don't know if people will believe that. Um, but I wholeheartedly do. I definitely believe that there is a world in which Beyonce and Jay-Z hook up with girls all the time. I just, I'm sorry. I just don't believe it. I don't believe that any famous person gets married and thinks like, well, this is it. Why would it be? Why would Beyonce or Jay-Z cut themselves off from the life they're awarded, which is they can have anything they want. If Beyonce feels like fucking a girl, she can, and nobody will ever know. If Jay-Z feels like getting a blowjob from Superhead in a trailer in the desert, he can. And nobody will know until she decides to write a book about it and expose how giant his penis is. Anyway, this is it for me. <laughs> it's like 4.13 in the morning here, so I do need to go to sleep. But I love you guys very, very much. Please don't forget to send me voice notes and stuff to smushroompod at gmail.com. I love you. I will see you here next week. Thank you for listening. And uh, bye. Thank you for listening to The Smushroom, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Also, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.